Y'all going to have to give Jeff a minute. He's writing down the title of the last podcast, so we won't forget it. We're notorious for forgetting <laughs> some of the topics after the podcast is over. If it's several days, it's like, I don't they, know. Uh, what are we well, talking about, the, what's, what's the title for this yeah, one? I don't yeah. know. I have no, neither one of us have a clue of what we talked about sometimes so, during that. Thank so, you for listening to the Once you do the, the intro, Fields then I got some show. marketing uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm Roger Fields. I'm here with my brother, Jeff Fields. We're in Central Kentucky. We're the Fields Brothers. And we do this podcast thing where we just sort of talk about uh, the incredible grace of God, the power of the gospel, what life is like after Jesus died and resurrected for us, and how amazing that is. And we talk about whatever else comes around, too, just things that happen in our own lives, sometimes things that we think are funny. So you just never quite know what's going to come ripping through one of these podcasts. All right, Jeff, what you got there? So uh, since you are um, the not only the head of the graphic design department, but you are the graphic design department, I, I acknowledge for the Fields Brothers show. There I'm is a, a multifaceted there, individual, there is a new, Jeff. New, I'm trying to talk. There is a <laughs> new opportunity that I think I think we need to take advantage of, and I'm looking to you to take advantage of it. Oh, boy. You know how certain things are copyrighted, and you're not allowed to use them for your I've heard that. there? I've well, I heard you can get in real trouble <laughs> yes, for plagiarizing yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah, okay, that's, we're getting off topic there. but And we won't bring up your cease and desist letter that you received from MTV one time. We won't even bring that up, okay? But, I framed that. I was one of the highlights of my life. I framed that and put it on have the wall. You, heard, you, may have heard, yeah, I know, you, uh, you may have heard about this. There is a uh, one of the most significant copyrights uh, has expired. Okay. And is now free game. Okay. It's Mickey Mouse. Did you hear about this? No. Mickey Mouse is now... Yes. Not under copyright law? Correct. So I heard someone talking about this. Heard on KSR, Matt Jones, really? who's an attorney, was talking about yeah. this the other day. I had seen a headline because someone, they're making a horror movie now out of Mickey Mouse, which is a big disappointment. So it takes. So anyway, um, see, copyright laws expire. So it's 50 so, years, but well, okay. it's been more Good than 50 question. years. It's been though. more than 50 because yeah. what, that's what I learned from listening to the radio the All other right. day. So um, Mickey Mouse was one of the very first things copyrighted. And it was initially, initially it was 50 years after the death of the person who invented it, okay. came up with it. That would be Walt. Walt Disney. And so, but he was, you know, pretty old when he came up with that. And so before it got to 50 years. How old was Walt Disney when he invented I didn't know he was that old. Well, I mean, it's been a long time ago. I mean, you and I aren't. Well, I mean, Mickey so Mouse Walt was been, old? Well, I mean, he was, I mean, I don't know if he's old, but he wasn't like 20 or 30 years up. old or whatever. Okay, all right. But so... Evidently, Congress multiple times has extended the time that a copyright is in place because it was like we get within a year or two of Mickey Mouse. So that's what made Congress extend because of Mickey Mouse? It would be known as the Mickey Mouse law or the Mickey Mouse legislation. And they kept extending this to many more years. They tired of it. Yes, that's that's exactly what happened. So they finally decided, I think it's like 75, I could be wrong in that, but I think if I heard it right, it's like 75 years after the death. Anyway. That expired uh, at the end of 2023. So you can use images of Mickey Mouse. Anybody can use images of Mickey Mouse. My new logo, my new real estate logo, (laughs) the Mickey Mouse. I think you could do that. Wow. And there's, I don't know when Donald Duck expires. I'm going to tell you something, expired or not, Disney is known to have the most ferocious legal department on the planet. And if they have a way to get at you, even if things, I mean, you're taking your life in your hands if you go up against Disney. But if you want to create a logo for us that has a couple of ears on it or something like that, I don't think you have to worry about, you know, being there. So, yeah, well. Huh. When they so come I in, knew that and you didn't. I'm kind of. No, honest. no, I'm I did of, not hear so. that. All right. All right. Let me, let me give you a scenario, Jeff. Now, I know you know where I'm going to go with this, but just plain, 
like you don't for a minute, okay? okay? So what if I told you that there's a story in the Bible that um, has a built-in, we'll say a built-in cure, okay? And that it has a, a curative ability, at least spiritually, emotionally, and maybe even some physical ability, okay? Now, what if I told you that this particular story in the Bible uh, was foretold way over 1,000, 1,500 years before that, that this, before the story happened? Yeah, I don't know where you're going with this. So okay, far. what if I told you that God so valued the story that he named the story, gave the story a name? Okay. Okay? And what if I told you that he gave us a, a symbol to help remember the story? Okay. Okay. And what if I told you that he gave us something to do on a regular basis to remember the story? Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Well, the story is called, and what the, the name that God gave it is the gospel. Okay. All That's right. the name that was, of a story. I was overthinking this. Okay. That's the name right. of a story. That's the okay. story according to you know, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, where it just says mm-hmm. that the, the first of most importance is that Christ died for you. That's the gospel, that Christ died for you and rose again. That's the core of the story. Good news. Okay? The good news. And so, 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 so if you're with me with that, okay, and the, and the symbol is the cross. I mean, the cross even is used mm-hmm. as a symbol when Paul talks about the cross. So what's he saying? He's really saying he's the cross yeah. to symbolize the crucifixion of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, um, All right. So that's uh, the story. Yeah, Galatians 6, I'm glory in nothing except the cross right. of Jesus right. Christ. Yeah. And then he gave us something to do, which would be the Lord's Supper. The mm-hmm. only thing really on a repetitive ba- uh, basis that he mm-hmm. gave the church to do was just a reminder of what Jesus had done for us on the cross, shed his blood, his body was... Can I say something real quick? Sure, on the Lord's go ahead. Yeah. I heard yeah. this the other day, and this fits in what I mentioned last week about the idea of being uh, the church being relational, or faith being relational, not... Yeah. Um, we got what the other one was... Uh, informational. Informational, yeah. yes. And so then, and I heard that somebody else mentioned that very thing of the Lord's Supper. He, you know, he didn't say, okay, this doing a remembrance for me, sit around and read the book together. Right. You partake together of a separate, nothing right. more relational in, in, in our culture, you know, right. faith or not faith, right. you know, eating together. And so that's, yeah. So, so anyway, so I'm, I'm going to say again that there's this story, this particular story that God named, that God gave us a symbol to help remember it, that God gave us something to do, the Lord's Supper, to remind us of this story. And then if you read, for instance, in Isaiah 53, it says in a lot of translations, who has believed our report? Yeah. Now some translations say our message. And it's to whom has the, the arm of the Lord been revealed. So the idea being that you'll see the arm of the Lord, the power of God, when you believe this story. Mm-hmm. It's the story. And so then you get down to, you know, like in around, what, verse 10, something like that, where it says, by his wounds, you know, it says, he's bore our sicknesses, uh, then by his wounds you've been healed. So there is a healing element in the story. Okay, you with sure. me? In this story. I think so, yeah. And then, and we've talked about that. Now, but then you've got this kind of, Oddball story in Numbers where you have people who get bit by snakes. Yeah, yeah. And so what's God do? Well, he has Moses make a bronze serpent. I'm not even sure how he did that, but he made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and they had to do what? They had to look at this yeah. serpent, and they got they got healed. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, think about this for a second. I'm going to kind of set this up. I mean, there's a story where all, everybody's getting bit by snakes. People were dying. They looked. All they did was look. Right at this serpent on a stick, and they got healed. Now, mm-hmm. we all know John 3, 16. Let's, let me take you back to John yeah. 3, right 14 yeah, and right, 15. Right, right before it, yep. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
He who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his yep. only son. Yep. So John 3.16 is tied directly yep. to the story in Numbers about the servant being lifted up. And what did they do? Now I've got another, which I may expand on this in another podcast, but now here's another thing that I'm coming to, to believe. Now, you know, tell me if you agree with this. Um, well, oh, let me say it this way. So what do you do with this story? You got this story that apparently is important to God. You know, when he names the story, gives us a symbol of the story, wants us to remember the story, and it has some real power in this story. So you want to, I would say, you want to appropriate it and internalize the story. I mean, you want to you want to believe this story is for you. Mm-hmm. Agreed? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not just a story right. that we kind of all agree on, yes, that happened. You appropriate, It's all about the story. Um, and long ago, we've talked about this, people didn't have a Bible. Yeah. What did they have? Well, one, the first thing they had was a story. They yeah. had a story. They believed the story. And for 1,500 years, they could share with what God was saying to them, what the Holy Spirit was leading them. And they heard bits and pieces of Scripture. They had some certain Scriptures that they could, that they'd heard and had mm-hmm. read to them. They had that. But they had this story of what Jesus had done for them, and they took the Lord's Supper. Now, I believe that there's enough scriptural um, precedent that one of the most powerful things you can do maybe in your life in relation to God is to visualize this. Yeah. I mean, in Galatians 3, he says, you've messed up because we portrayed this in front of you. Before your eyes, Jesus was clearly crucified. You had this cryptic statement Jesus makes about you. If your eyes are good, your whole body's full of light. If your eyes are Mm -hmm. not good, then we don't even know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really doesn't tell you something. Well, it could be about this. But there are several places where it talks about the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. It talks mm-hmm. about that. In, I think it's in Ephesians. That you ought yeah. to be able to see. And I just would challenge any listener, just, you know, if you want to have a renewed, I believe, faith, trust in the grace and mercy of God, just see the crucifixion, however you picture that. I don't think it, the details are that important you're just going new age on us, yeah Roger. pretty much and so you just, <laughs> just you, you just you, but you see christ on the cross and you apply that to yourselves and realize that was done for you you can personalize that i'm telling you i think it's a game changer and you were there with him in yeah, him yeah. when that happened that um well there's a lot of yeah. things yes you can yeah there are a lot of ramifications of that yeah. story but even if you just know that story see it yeah. In the eyes of your heart and, and, and believe that it was done for you. You I mean, appropriate it, you internalize it. This relate, this dovetails with some other things I've been thinking about. Just the, you know, it gets this relational as opposed to informational of that. I mean, we need the Holy Spirit to reveal, you know, only the Holy Spirit can reveal the truth of Christ to us. And so I think something like that, just stopping, and even if you visualize yeah. something like that, yeah. I think that kind of puts us in a place and, and asking Holy Spirit, Make this known to me. Yeah. And it, and it's a sense of, you know, we've kind of, I think a lot of the circles that you and I have moved in through the years has kind of put down meditation and kind of looked down oh. on that. And I, I think it's been wrong to put down I meditation. Do. I do too. And because, you know, what's happened, you know, I mean, what would happen if you started talking about, oh, we need to meditate more and oh, just yeah. kind of quiet? There's, what, there's what would flag people, There are key words you can't use. Right. Yeah. Okay. What would people say? Okay. Yeah. What are they going to say to you? You're going to be sitting cross legged with your making the little zero. And what's the danger? Now? You're, what's, you're going in a new age. You're going to be opening yourself open to all, yourself, all kinds of, of evil. De- yeah, demons are going to just there. have a you know rampage into your life. Yes. As if our intellects can't right. be affected right. by wrong thinking. As if we're you know academics are pure as the you know driven snow. But 
and that's, but that's an example of why we're, we're more driven by fear than anything else. Well, yes, we're just so afraid. Yes. Oh, we can't yeah. be doing any med- What's the, the scripture about meditating? Yeah, and maybe, you know, I, I just thought something. Maybe the Holy Spirit lives in us. Yeah. And just maybe yeah. he can reveal to us, you know, from within. And think of it this. Okay, yeah. Psalm 1 says if you meditate yeah. on the law, you're like a tree planting yeah. I mean, some incredible promises. And that's the law. Yeah. I mean, think if you meditate on the gospel. <laughs> I mean, even meditating yeah. on the law would get you somewhere, yeah. I guess, you know. But and meditating this, on the gospel. You know, some of this comes down to um, – Hebraic versus Greek. You know, we tend to be more Greek in our thinking, which mm-hmm. was all about the intellect yeah. and the Greeks seek wisdom and that type of thing. And um, I think it was Teresa told me the other day she was reading something about how in the, in the Hebrew mind it was more, you know, back to the Lord's Supper. It's, it's a partaking. It's an eating. It's not right. an intellectual exercise. It's an experience. It's yes, they were yes. more experiential. Of course, we yes. were told not to do that either. You know, in yeah, our, that was, with, oh, that was horrible. Oh, that's experiential. And, and there, so. If anybody ever had you know, a good time <laughs> or had joy, I mean, people still like that. You know, yeah. and um, I mean, I'm not. You know, I know it's, I'm going to swerve into something here, but you know, I'm. I can kind of take or leave Joel Osteen. I mean, he's not the, yeah. I don't think he's the devil like everybody says, yeah. but no, neither is he somebody who really speaks to me directly. Yeah. But the, one of the criticisms of being too happy and too joyful, I'm thinking, yeah. oh, really? I mean, that's, that's, the, <laughs> that's now a sin? But there are people who are like that. You know, you, yeah. you got to be gloomy. And some of the most revered Bible teachers history have been some of the gloomiest. Yeah. I mean, they say some of the gloomiest stuff. And, and a lot of those happen to fall into one particular theological well, uh, they do. Yeah. Uh, stream, which we won't get into right now. But, but yeah, the um, and if I believe what they believe, I wouldn't be very happy either, you know. But yeah, I mean, um, so I think, I, I mean, I feel like I'm just that I, I have a ton to learn in terms of just, you know, whether you call it meditating or or what that it's that it's. I mean, so much of God that can't be put into words. Yeah, and I remember things all through the years. The the mystics, you know, and I don't, I don't think yeah. it's a bad word, but a lot yeah. of through the centuries, people would say, you know, the people that really, you know, that seem to know God, would say you can't, you just can't put this into words. I saw you know? I saw a video the other day of a guy who who was a new age mystic guy, and uh, he was really revered. And he, he was talking about hey, if you do this one thing, I think he said in the evenings or whatever this. Maybe it was the morning. I forget the evening or morning. This will really impact your life. And this, he made a big deal. One, I thought, well, I wonder what he thinks yeah. this one thing is. You know, I was fascinated. Okay, what's he going to say? You know, um, and he said, "It's." And I don't even think he referenced the Bible at all. But he just said, "And I thought, what is this?" And you know what? It, you know what it was? What? Be thankful. <laughs> Well, well, we can't listen to that's him. Pretty He's a good new advice, ager. even. I mean, that's, you know, that's not bad way to, you know. I mean, I, I think if you tie your thankfulness to Jesus, you're a lot better yeah. off. But even being thankful will get you somewhere, you know. Just in life, you can go through life bitter, or you can be thankful. Well, I'd rather be thankful. So anyway, I just. Um, I'm not sure how we got off on that. But well, we, 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 we talked about how this is. You know, it's really about the story and what you believe okay. and how you internalize the story and how you. Making sure. Oh, and let me in this point too. I believe that you know I'm not anti. Let me say it this way too. I'm not anti having a doctrinal perspective. I mean, I think you have to somehow have a framework to what you believe, mm-hmm. and I'm cool with that. But I do not believe that you should be in love with your doctrine, whatever that is. And when you once you start to love and fall in love with your doctrine, I think you limit what you experience from God. Yeah. And, you know, I have things that I believe. Obviously, we have things we believe, but it's still more about a person. Yes. It's not about the 
framework we've built around, however right it may be. The doctrine can end up replacing the person. Yeah, absolutely. And even I heard someone, someone I was listening to a podcast where he was talking about certain, like the glory, mm-hmm. you know, the glory of the Lord or whatever some of the other terms. We'll just use that one. You know, you can emphasize the glory of the Lord more than the Lord. Right. You know, or in a meeting, oh, we really felt the glory of the Lord. Or, you know, there are other things too, other words like that, that are, that are ramifications of who he is, but, you know, we don't want to replace him with those things. See, and, I, and I think most denominations of, of the several thousand now are in existence today because they found one thing in their yeah. doctrine that they were so in love with that they had to build this whole movement, this whole doctrine, this whole group of people had to galvanize around this one particular doctrine. Mm-hmm. And I think, and this is my personal opinion, one of the things that I think was kind of good about the Jesus movement out of Calvary Chapel in the in the 60s and 70s was that you know Chuck Smith wasn't real overly doctrinal I mean it really kind of was about Jesus it really was more about a person and of course he taught verse by verse yeah, he taught the, the Bible, Bible but, yeah, but it but, still was more about right. that's my impression that's yeah. and I've read to a lot but that's and I think it's one thing that kind of made it yeah, kind of refreshing. You know, the, as I think back too, because I listened to a lot of his sermons back then, and he, he was very—I liked listening to him. But he just went verse by verse. Yeah, he didn't—he didn't create an outline out of right, a passage. Right, and right. He didn't—he didn't worry about it. He just—it was just a running commentary, yeah. basically. And, and, and I'm not uh, sure yeah. that today I would agree with every single thing in Chuck Smith, but yeah. even though he's one of my my favorite pastors of all time. Yeah. Um, but he still never made a particular doctrine. Yeah. I don't believe, yeah. at least not uh, to I'm my not knowledge. Aware, yeah. More important than Jesus. Of course, you know, then after, you know, but then it kind of morphs into that, you know, it was mm-hmm. always does, you know, yeah. um, a bunch of Calvary temples, then some of those, and I don't know how well organized that is these days, but yeah, that's a, um, and I'm not saying that that, that was wrong or that, or that they even did that. I don't know what the personality of all the Cal- Calvary chapels was, but I just think that you get farther, if I could say it that way, further in your, your walk with the Lord by just making the experience and just learning from him the primary thing. You know, it's, you know, Jesus died for you on a cross. Your doctrine didn't really die for you, and your denomination sure didn't do it. And your thinking about things didn't do it. It was a person who did that for you. This reminds me, you may have heard this too. The quote is a famous theologian. I'm not real sure who it is, and I've got a guess, but I'm not even going to say it because I might be wrong. But a real well known theologian toward the end of his life was, was asked, you know, what is the, of all your study, of everything you've studied, what, what's the most profound who. truth that you would share with us? And he said, uh, and he, he did not hesitate to give an answer. He said, the most profound is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that, so I think that goes along with what you're saying. That, and I, more and more I'm convinced, and other people, is what Brendan Manning talked about, of just being loved by God, of knowing that you're loved by God. And I've been listening to some uh, fellow named Damon Thompson, who's who's a little more flamboyant in his style than, than I typically prefer, but he has a lot of good stuff to say. But he used the phrase that you are mesmerized, you're, you're mesmerizing to the merchant. Talked about the pearl of great price. Mm-hmm. You know, that pearl, the merchant was mesmerized by that pearl and the value of that. And I've heard other people in the mm-hmm. past talk about that. That's a picture of that. We're the pearl and you can look at it different ways, but I think mm-hmm. it's okay to look at it that way that we're the pearl. God gave everything he had, gave the life of his son to get us. And so I like that phrase. You're, you're mesmerizing 
to the merchant. Yeah, that's no matter what you do, yeah. no matter how you fail. Yeah. And he mentioned three words. This kind of <laughs> this will be a little that long. We tell belong, behold, and become. And I like that. That belong. You realize you belong. Mm-hmm. You are mesmerizing to the merchant. You are already in Christ. You're included in him. You're in that fellowship. You're ascended with him at the right hand of the Father, and you belong there. And then it's just a matter of beholding. And we don't have to seek God. You know, he's, we've already seen him. He's right. found us. Right, you behold. We though. just behold. And See, 2 Corinthians 3 talks about beholding in the faces in a mirror and then become as we, be, and we, you know, we still need to be transmitted. visualize and behold sound a lot yeah, oh, like yeah, to me. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah okay. for sure. And then, uh, so belong, behold, become. You know, there is a growth process, a maturing. We, we have the DNA of God already in us through who we are in Christ, but you know, we're not mature. There's still spiritual growth yeah. there. We grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, but we don't grow by trying harder. We talked about that in our book, Breaking the Hex, Life with God After the Cross-Killed Religion, available on Amazon for just almost a little less than 10 bucks. But we talk about, you know, beholding him and we grow in grace. And that's how we grow, not by trying hard, but by just beholding him. Mm-hmm. So belong, behold, become. I we, like be, we behold in a mirror, you know, yeah. the glory of the yeah. Lord. I mean, there's a lot of scripture about Looking, we think about visualizing, the mirror, beholding. He's saying that's who you are. Right, right. the mirror goes back to you. Yeah. Yes, right. Yes, he's saying that that who you see Christ, that's who you are now. Right, right. You know, I'm in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. And so, yeah, when we just, and so I think it's, I, I'm, per, I'm sure personally, I'd be better off spending less time listening to podcast after podcast and YouTube sermon after YouTube sermon, yeah. and just taking some time to. Be a little quieter well, and, at times and, and reflect on that and, and visualize see, it. And see, my approach is a little different. It used to be, you know, I had to, when I read something in Scripture, I had to kind of have it nailed down. I had to know, like, this what's this <laughs> talking about. This is what it means. You know, you kind of have to have, a, you got to be able to get your arms around it. And I'm way less like that now. I'm yeah. really not like it at all now. Yeah. So when I see the Scripture like that, beholding as the Lord, you know, we see ourselves. So what does that mean? Where is that going to go? And I like the fact that, well, I don't know. Let's see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. kind of my attitude now. Well, I don't know. Let's see where it goes. I mean, it may go some amazing places. That's one of the reasons I, I have a growing appreciation for the Gospel of John. And I thought the other day, you know, and I heard someone talking about how radically different John John's Gospel is from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you know, well, the other ones called the Synoptic Gospels. They're basically historical accounts. You know, with some teaching. Which means through the in. same eye. In other words, they had yeah. they basically covered a lot of the same stories just from yeah. different vantage points. Matthew, but, Mark, and, and it's Luke. it's no coincidence that John lived a lot longer than right. the other and that was right. written many years after so he pro- i'm guessing he probably had some access to what matthew mark and, and luke had written and rather than just write more of the same stuff um and i think he learned some things beyond what they ever knew probably mm-hmm. you know his experience of walking in christ for decades longer than the other ones probably mm-hmm. i think he, he i think god put it on his heart to okay and so his book is much more relational in that mm-hmm. regard uh, regard talking about abiding of just remaining where you are just knowing where you are and and the and you talk so much about love and and the love that the father has for the son being shared with us and so and and first john as well so. well you got anything else you want to do before we wrap this up oh uh i don't think so i got Let some other stuff here but here. it's too much to start yeah i don't you um, know. i'm looking to see if the uh hey let me run through this real quickly with you let me just tell you this here's my list of things and the topic of this is I don't mean to brag, but, okay? These are just a few of the things that the Bible says that I am. I don't know about you, Jeff. I'm just saying <laughs> this is, you know, the Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror. I've been sealed with the Spirit. Uh, I'm a son of God, not the son of God. I'm an adopted son of God, adopted in the family. I'm an heir of God. 
a joint heir with Christ. I am righteous. I am a temple of God. I am a priest. I am already a disciple. Everybody in Acts that got converted was a disciple. I have every blessing. I'm alive in Christ. My last two are my favorite ones. Here we go. I am perfect. And lastly, the most common term for a believer in the New Testament would be saint. Saint. So you've heard of Saint Francis of Assisi. This would be Saint <laughs> Roger of Nicholasville. So I mean, it has a ring to it, don't you think? Yeah, but we, you know, we got to start seeing ourselves the way God here, sees oh, us. Oh yeah, absolutely. The DNA of God is in you, and we. I guess the last podcast we talked about this: waiting for the creations, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, and it's you know seeing. You know, we just, we don't see God the way he is and we don't see ourselves the way we are. And that's what life in Christ and growth is all about. Just seeing who he is and and how he sees us and seeing ourselves as uh, we are mesmerizing to the merchant. And he he gave his life for us so that we could enjoy the fellowship within the Father, Son, and Spirit. So that they, they wanted us in that.